The last class of my old professor's life took place once a week in his house by a window in the study where he could watch a small hibiscus plant shed its pink leaves. The class met on Tuesdays. It began after breakfast. The subject was the meaning of life. It was taught from experience. No books were required, yet many topics were covered, including love, work, community, family, aging, forgiveness, and finally, death. The last lecture was brief, only a few words. A funeral was held in lieu of graduation. The last class of my old professor's life had only one student. I was the student. Everybody's in a hurry. Instant gratification, you know? Get on fast. That was the voice of Maury Schwartz, my college professor, and the Maury of Tuesdays with Maury. And I am Mitch Album, your co-host here on Tuesday People, the podcast that you are now listening to. Alongside, as always, is my friend and producer, Lisa Goich. Hi, Lisa. Happy Tuesday, Mitch. And as you can uh, tell by Maury's opening line, today's show is going to focus on pace. The pace of life, the speed with which we are living our lives, the way in which we are going through our days. Everybody in a hurry, get there faster, accomplish more, fill it up more. I was prompted to consider this when in coming home from the Super Bowl, which I worked at on Sunday night, this previous Sunday night. So in the morning, I flew out and was heading home to Detroit. And it was a very early morning flight. And as you can imagine, Lisa, there were a lot of people because a lot of people go to the Super Bowl. So we did that thing where the flight left at 8, was supposed to start boarding at 7.25, somewhere around 7.10, 7.15, people started to line up in the area where you were going to board the plane. Now, they weren't letting anybody on Mm -hmm. the plane, But they have that little, like, lane that they're going to take people on. And people just started to, you know, meander around. uh, There's a whole science to this. First, people just stand. Then someone sees somebody else, so they start to, you know, curl in. And then (laughs) they start to begin to form a little bit of a line. And then someone gets a sense that they're not where they should be, so they step up. And somebody else then steps up, and somebody else steps up. And there was this one guy who was on his phone. And I was in the scrum, you know, of people sort of not really forming a line, but just kind of congregating, you know, because you never know who they're mm-hmm. going to ask to go first, the people with who need time to get on the plane or with little kids or whatever. So you always have to leave a little room. You can't just form a straight line, but you don't want to be left out. And this guy right. was looking on his phone like he didn't make eye contact with anybody, but he just kept inching his way forward. <laughs> so he started like five minutes behind me. He showed up five minutes after I was already in line. But within about two minutes, he had inch at a time while looking at his phone, just kind of moved up and moved up a little. Now he's ahead (laughs) of me. And then he was moving up, sliding down. All of this is going to save him four seconds worth of time. (laughs) But it's this 10 minute long manipulation of an inch here and another inch and another inch. I just don't want to be, I want to be a little further ahead, a little further ahead than the next guy, a little further ahead than the, I got to keep going. Even when he was standing still, he was moving forward. And it struck me that, you know, that's sort of a, 
sort of a metaphor for how we're kind of living our lives today. We are never really satisfied standing still. Some of us are, and I'm sure some of you who are listening to the program have been sort of enlightened on this particular fact, but I will raise my hand and say I've been a very bad student of this, even though Maury talked to me about it quite a bit. And I live in America, and I am uh, subject to that overwhelming influence of like, keep going, keep going, don't waste a second, don't waste a minute, there's an opportunity. So I began to watch the day unfold, knowing that we were going to do the podcast. I began to watch the day unfold through the eyes of like, okay, how long can anybody sit still or not accomplish something? So we got onto the plane, put the bags overhead. The minute everybody who was sitting within a couple rows of me sat down, I'm telling you, five seconds did not pass before they took out a phone or an iPad and started checking something. There was no, hmm, got a seat here, you know, it's nice, comfortable, none of that. It's like, I'm down, I need to do something. And so they took out their phone and they started responding to people and or answering emails or watching videos or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. A bunch of people start punching the the thing up on the uh, TV screen, you know, let's see what programs there are. Nobody (laughs) looked out the window or breathed or just sighed. Everybody was doing something. This was at 7.45 in the morning after the Super Bowl. Everybody was doing something. And pretty much, unless they dropped dead asleep once the plane took off, they continued to always be doing something. Eating, reading, accomplishing, whatever. And then when (laughs) we landed, you could sense like it was one of those slow, slow kind of um, roll-ins to uh, the, the gate. When you're not really right. sure if you're at the gate yet, it's the plane is slowing down, but they haven't hit the bing. You know, that hasn't happened yet. Right. <laughs> and so you could sense that everybody was like, can I get up now? Can I get up now? Can I get up? And, and, and a few like jumped the bing, and then the bing happened, and then the rest jumped up. We're not going anywhere. Uh, you know, they have to wait until the jetway pulls up, but everybody wanted to get out into the aisle and kind of get their positions, including that guy who was there. He's right. inching he's inching his way <laughs> off the plane now. So he's we are we are just moving at this pace where we don't build in any margin time for rest, reflection, breathing, thought process, and it is becoming a huge problem in how we live our life. And so I want to examine that today a little bit and talk a little bit about what Maury taught me about this and what he had to learn himself. Because remember, he was going on through his life pretty healthy and then contracted ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And you want to talk about something that will rob your pace. There is nothing that will rob your pace greater in the disease world than Lou Gehrig's disease because it will eventually steal your ability to walk, lift Mm -hmm. your arms, get out of bed, go to the bathroom, brush your hair, take a shower, move at all. You will become a a husk, Uh, essentially. Your body becomes stiff and, uh, you know, sadly, you know, there's no connection anymore between your, your limbs and your brain and movement. And so you might be able to blink an eye. You might be able to touch a toe or move a toe. But that's it. So your pace is going to change dramatically and his had to. And so I thought he had a very interesting perspective on 
what it meant to move at a certain pace and what we were really accomplishing at that pace. Here is uh, the full version of the cut that you heard a piece of before and Maury talking about how he recognized even before he got ALS that moving for the sake of moving wasn't necessarily accomplishing anything. Let's listen to that. Everybody's in a hurry. Instant gratification. You know? Get on fast. Like there's no tomorrow. Well, you moved at that pace for a while, didn't you? Yeah. For a while. But then I slowed down. Well, did you you slow down once you got sick, or you slowed down before before you got sick? Before. Ten more years ago, I recognized. Uh That's not the way to be. Uh, What happened that made you recognize that? I came to meditation. Also, I was getting older. You get, you know, in your 60s, things are different. So before Maury had to have the world slowed down for him, he started to slow it down himself, but not until he got into his 60s. And the combination of being older and what he said, meditation, actually gave him some thought. Now, there was more to that cut that I'm not playing to you, but when I asked him about meditation, it wasn't so much uh, the Zen part of meditation necessarily. He was, he was focusing on his breathing, his breathing. And I have been told now, as, as I've gotten older and visited doctors, that our breathing and the way that we uh, take in oxygen has so much to do with our health, and we pay no attention to it whatsoever. When was the last time you thought none. about breathing? Those of you who listen yeah, to us none. right now, are you thinking about your breathing? You just did it. What is the one thing that we do more of than anything else in our lives? Breathe, right? We're doing it as mm-hmm. we're sitting here. We're doing it countless, countless, countless numbers of times. We never think about it. But what's the only thing you care about once you don't have it, getting your breath, right? When you lose your breath. Right, breathing. Right, breathing, right? Heaven forbid someone puts a hand over your mouth. All you can think about now is, I got to breathe. I got to breathe. Right, I can't breathe. For something that is so critical, we spend no time thinking about it. Now, I'm not going to go all zen on you or all the, all the rest. I mean, that's okay, and a lot of people would take that tack. But what I like about meditation is that it forces you to stop thinking about the outside and allows you, permits you, honors you to think about what's going on on the inside, starting with your breath, because mm-hmm. that is what's going on on the inside. And if you just literally do that, just right now as you're listening to us, that in and of itself is going to change your pace. Even just to do that little test is to turn inward for a second that's totally opposite of the pace that we lead our lives with today. Instead of thinking about how we breathe or taking it all in, what, what do we generally do? Think about, think about that when you like have a happy moment, all right? Maybe you have a, a party where all your friends are there and you get that reflective moment or it's Thanksgiving and you have that reflective moment where you just look around at your family and count your blessings. And what do you do? You go, ah, right? You breathe in. Yes. And you, ah. Why is that so unique? It shouldn't that be something that we do multiple times in the course of a day. But most of us, myself included, never take the time to sort of have that 
Let me just breathe this in and breathe it out and take in the satisfaction. Mm-hmm. We're busy doing so many other things for whatever we think is that important. Now, according to Maury, you know, we kind of fell into this because we're not able to appreciate what we have and what is important on a on a day-to-day basis. Listen, when I actually asked him this question, you can hear my younger voice, uh, when I asked him the question of pace of life. Don't you find a lot of people today just sort of seem to be into the pace for the sake of the pace? Oh, yeah. That's because I think people have, so much of them have not found meaning in their life. So they're running all the time looking for it, not knowing that that's what they're looking for. So do you think the next car or the next house or the next uh, vacation or whatever, you're going to give it to them? And they find that's empty too. So they keep on running for more. What would you say, Lisa, is uh, if you had to kind of evaluate yourself uh, in terms of a scale of zero to 100, 100 being, you know, the highest and zero being the lowest, what number of your day is not spent going forward? Before you oh, fall, I'm not, not talking about falling asleep. You know, that doesn't count. But I mean, from the minute you wake up, how much of your day is spent just sort of absorbing the moment, really appreciating the moment where you are, just not doing anything, being still, uh, if you're, you know, breathing something in and, and having that sigh moment? Give a typical work day for you. When I'm not, when I'm not a- awake, uh, pretty much about 2% because I think from the minute I wake up, my computer and my phone are right next to my bed. Right. Right. I grab them first. I check emails. I Then I get wrapped up in some sort of task that somebody needs from me. Then I get out of bed. Then I'm anxious because I'm worrying about this thing that I have to do, but God forbid I have to take a shower now, which is <laughs> going to take me away from doing whatever it is I need to do. You know, Then I have to get in the car and sit in traffic for an hour to get to work, which further you know, impedes me from doing something. Right. And by the way, I should use that time to meditate and to just enjoy being right. alone. Except but it's I really hard to do inside a car on a crowded Los Angeles freeway, isn't it? Yes. And so what do I do? I sit on the freeway. Um, I get on my phone. I make all my phone calls, work phone calls when I'm not even at work yet, get into work, do my work. Sometimes at lunch, I do freelance projects during lunch. I should, I, I, I work, you know, two miles away from a beach. I should get in my car and go drive to the beach and watch the beautiful water, which I think I see two times a year, but I <laughs> never do. <laughs> and wow. then I do the same thing backwards. I go home, get in my car, make more phone calls, get in the house, check my emails, go to bed, check my emails. The last thing I do before going to bed every night is check my emails right. or check online or read the news. It's yeah. horrible. I live a horrible life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, <do. laughs> I didn't want to take you there. Okay. That wasn't the point of the <laughs> don't, question. Don't, don't make me reflect. I feel terrible just now. Little, I know. I know. I, I'm so guilty of it. I, I need to slow down. Well, you are not, when it comes to checking devices, you are not alone. Uh, according to a new research study, Americans check their phones on average 
now listen to this, 80 times a day. And you might say, oh, that's kind of low. 80 times a day (laughs) while on vacation. That's the statistic. While on vacation. Oh, my goodness. Over 300 times a day during regular work day. Like a regular day. 80 times a day on vacation. Now, consider how life is speeding up for all of us. 25 years ago, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. No, no. Nobody would have it. What devices would you have? 25 years ago was 1995. You didn't have an iPhone with emails. No. And in 25 no. years' time, we have now, we now spend 80 times a day doing something on vacation that 25 years ago didn't exist. No. So that and shows you, you how, how the pace of life has changed on us and continues to accelerate and accelerate and accelerate. Right. And think about this. When you were on vacation 25 years ago, it was so expensive to make phone calls from a hotel, especially if you were out of the country. You wouldn't even call anybody, you know. Um, right. There was a time when I was a, I was a stand-up comedian and I was on the road. And I can remember, um, you know, having a boyfriend and we would have to fax back and forth because it was cheaper than making phone calls. <laughs> Because we couldn't phone and we couldn't call each other. And then when cell phones first came about, you had this very limited amount of minutes and then you had, you know, long distance. So you couldn't even call on cell phones. So it was just easier to break away. You cannot break away now. 80 times a day on vacation. It's yeah. Terrible. You you shouldn't do anything 80 times a day on vacation except. Swim. Snore, you know, or swim or, yeah, <laughs> sleep, uh, roll over. <laughs> I mean, make maybe swing a golf club. Uh, but 80 times a day on vacation, we are checking our emails. And you're right. I remember having done a lot of traveling in the last week. I was reminded of the days when, when you used to travel to a city, if you knew somebody in that city, when you got there, you would call them and say, hey, I just wanted to call because I'm, I'm in your city. Why? Because it was a local call. And right. <laughs> you, you, you can make a local call and talk to somebody. You wouldn't necessarily even see them. You know, I just wanted to call you. I'm in town, so I'm calling you because it's a local call. As opposed <laughs> right. to I'm not going to call you from home and have the same conversation with you. It's going to cost a fortune. Now you can call anybody, anytime, anywhere. You can text them. You can wake them up. So we have invented. It's just a small example, but 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 a huge one in terms of its technological ramifications, that we can now have something that 25 years ago wasn't even in our lives, and now we do it 80 times a day on vacation and over 300 times a day in our regular lives. The pace of life is picking up in so many elements. And of course, what has that led to? It has led to an expectation of a speed that you better operate at or you're going to be perceived as behind. You're a Luddite. Right. You're, 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 you're not with it. You're not, what kind, what kind of world are you living in? Oh, that's so 2019. You, you know, we, we make jokes <laughs> of that. Like, well, something is out of date when it's, you know, six months old. And we, right. and people are actually critical about that. Oh, that's so last year. So I'll read you something um, from a 
piece here uh, from, uh, of all places, uh, ran in the New York Post. It was written by somebody named Dr. Stephanie Brown. This is a few years back. This is progress in America. You always move forward, and there are no limits to how far you can go or how fast you can get there. Don't pause. Don't reflect. You win or lose. You'll fall behind and fail if you stop moving. Fast at any cost is the mantra of a stressed and distressed American society today. Overscheduling and double booking have been signs of progress and belonging for two decades now. Practices that used to cause embarrassment became proudly rationalized as multitasking, a new skill to master. You juggle 10 plates while you brag about your 90-hour week and pop your Ambien to get your sleep. This is success in America. Progress equals fast, which equals success, a recipe for addiction. Pretty smart. Pretty wise true. And, 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 and true now, six years later, and then it was written then. We get caught up in this, you know, watch me do 10 things at once. You're mm-hmm. juggling 10 plates, I'll juggle 11 plates. How many times are you in a gym where you see somebody profusely sweating, running on a treadmill or, or uh, breathing hard as they're doing an elliptical machine, and you think, wow, that person is really dedicated to their exercise. And then you get closer, and they're also typing on their device or answering right. email or talking with a, with a earpiece in and having a phone conversation while they're doing it. It's not enough to just be exercising and absorb the exercise, you've got to do something while you're exercising. Got to accomplish something else while you're... It's not enough to be on an airplane or maybe look out the window. Nobody looks out the window today. In fact, on the plane that I was referring to, I also looked around. I saw nobody lifted up. It was morning. It was light outside. Nobody lifted up the shade. The plane was totally dark. Yeah, I hate that. I love looking out plane windows. And I, I, I hate when the person next to me you know, because I never sit at the window. I always sit at the aisle. And I'm like, I want to, especially when we're landing, I'd like to look. I'd like to see what's happening. People yeah. keep it closed. Just sit in your own zone. Right. Well, that light is reflecting on my screen. I can't, I can't see my <laughs> iPhone as well as I need to now. You know, it's, a, it's right. blinding me. So even the fact of just looking out the window is, is something we don't do now when we're on the, on airplanes. And the problem is it becomes very competitive and we start to get our satisfaction in piling up how fast we can work and how much we can get done in a given day, in a given hour. Maury spoke about this as well and talked about the misplacing of our satisfactions in life. Listen. The point is they're not finding it in contributing to relating with other people. They're finding it in things, in consuming, in objects, in work, which is good. Work is very important. But, you know, people overwork themselves so they have a heart attack and so on because there's nothing else in there. So it has to be a multiplicity of things which is centered in strong, loving relations and in the community. Now... Now, there's a lot to unpack in those last two lines. Mm-hmm. Strong, loving relations and being part of a community. Now, before you dismiss what I'm saying here is like, oh, well, that's just, you know, the old way was better. 
and you're, you're just being critical of the new way. It's just a new pace, and it's a new way. I, it's very worth going back and studying what our forefathers did maybe two, 250 years ago in this country, what a typical day was like for them. It was way harder than what we do right now. It was very early rising and full mm-hmm. activity. So I don't want to suggest that somehow our forefathers, for example, they just got up and they just kind of sat around and till a grape fell off a vine and they ate it, uh, you know, and then they right. kind of, you know, walked over someplace and did a little tilling of the soil and then came back and slept. They worked all day. They had to do things in sunlight because there wasn't light at nighttime. There wasn't electricity. Mm-hmm. They had to do things by candlelight. They had to write letters with, you know, ink dipped in a ballpoint. Right. <laughs> and they had to communicate with one another through letters. And they had to walk to school. And they had to walk to work. So I'm not suggesting that being industrious or filling your day is somehow poisonous. But think about life a couple hundred years ago for you know for our forefathers in this country. What were they spending the majority of their time doing? They were with their families. They worked mm-hmm. farms, right? Most of them were agricultural before the Industrial Revolution. So you worked a farm with your family. You were with your children, your, your spouse, perhaps your parents, brothers, sisters, all working together all day long. You ate your meals together. Meals took time. Not like today, where I just uh, read read a, a, a really interesting piece on how we don't even have time now for dinner. Dinner is just, you know, it's just taking too long. So uh, there's a piece in The Atlantic <laughs> called How America Lost Dinner, you know, and, and it's basically how these box food box companies now are popping up all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. because you can just buy a pre-prepared – you can buy like 10 of them, have them sitting in your fridge, and you just come home, pop it in, in the microwave or, or in the oven for a couple minutes, whatever, and boom, it's as if somebody cooked for you. Why? So you don't have to bother to cook. And then right. – ca- so you take away the time from cooking, so you can do what? Be more productive, work longer. And then you eat it so fast because it heats up quickly and, 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 and you don't have any vested interest in it. You heat it. You, 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 you eat while you're standing up. You eat while you're watching television, uh, always doing something else while you eat. Well, again, our forefathers who had a better – pace of life, they were no less busy than us, but they ate with one another, and it took time to prepare the meal, and there was a sense of community when people came over. So you were getting, even though you were busy, you were getting a lot of the ingredients that Maury was talking about in your busyness. We've eliminated all that, but we've stayed busy or busier. That's true. And I don't know if it was the same when you were growing up, but when I was a kid, we couldn't have the TV on when we were eating, even though, you know, the little kitchen table was looked over into the family room where the TV was. When my dad would come home from work, we'd turn the TV off. Everybody had to sit at the dinner table and we'd have to talk and, you know, just have family time. I do not recall the last time that I've had family time like that even when I'm home with my family, visiting my family, if there isn't a football game on in the background or something else is happening where everybody just sits quietly with the sound of the forks on the plates and family conversation going on. 
Does anybody do that anymore? Well, yeah, I think there. I think people do do it. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe not your family, but uh, no, I think people do do it. But it's rare, and it's it. And we're not teaching our kids that that's a priority. And because our kids are so attached to their devices, getting them to do anything anymore that that doesn't involve being electronically connected to somebody or or sharing photos. You see, Apple, Microsoft. They'll make these commercials now, which will show you how great it is that the kid is editing video of the family and, and, and then presenting a video to his family of, you know, the great moments that they had. It's like, well, wait a minute. Don't you see the irony of this? The kid is all alone <laughs> editing video instead of being with his family and making more it's memories. Funny. No, but he's, he's doing such a great thing because he's editing the videos together in, the, in his solitude all by himself. So the whole idea of, of distraction is just, uh, it can be found in, ask yourself this, because most people have had this experience at some point in life. If you have ever been in a snowstorm or a blackout or something, and you couldn't go anywhere, and suddenly you had to actually turn on candlelight, if you don't have a generator or something like that, which now more and more mm-hmm. people do to avoid, but You've been in those situations where like, wow, for, for like a few hours, we had to light the fireplace and candlelight. What do most people end up saying about that? You know, it was so nice. It was so, yes. we were just, it was so cozy. And we come, well, that's how people used to live. What we call an accident that right. only happens in a freak storm, that was the pace of life. And so all those things you say, well, it's so nice about, it feels right it's because it is right. That's a much more human way to live. But we've invented ways we don't need the fireplace, we don't need the darkness, we don't we can you know, it can be twenty four hour sunlight, twenty four hour business, twenty four hour work, twenty four hour everything. So what's the solution to this? Well, I think you heard Maury say it best. Put your emphasis on people and community. Take time to breathe. Do things like meditation and and things that are for your own benefit that take you out of the the rat race pace. If you're going to do yoga, don't have the television on while you're doing yoga. Do it and and so you can really feel your body stretching and relaxing and 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 being changed by the activity. If you are going to take a run, don't have an audiobook playing while you run. It's not that there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with audiobooks, but it's like enjoy the experience of running. Don't feel like everything has to be double layered. That's what creates this pace, this expectation that is ultimately destroying our, not just quality of life, but our enjoyment of life as we have it. I'm not saying to sit in a tree and hum all day. As I say, our our forefathers never (laughs) did that. They didn't have time to sit. They would have considered someone who sat in a tree and hummed to be a waste of time. Um, but, But triple scheduling yourself and and bragging about how much you were able to accomplish at the end of the day is not necessarily going to lead to satisfaction. I'll, I'll leave you with a study that, now this is already a few years old, but that people are now walking 10% faster than they used to walk. Now, there's something <laughs> weird about that. I mean, one would think a walk is a human activity and, a, you know, you should just sort of Walking is walking. Stroll. It's yeah. not. We're now, we walk faster than we used to walk. So even our That's walking, weird. even our walking <laughs> is speeded up. 
So when it comes to pace, try to find, try to set a pace every day that allows you to reflect on what it is that you're doing. That may mean just sitting still. Uh, that may mean, you know, contemplating your breath, doing some meditation, doing one thing instead of two things. And if you are going to spend, you know, hours doing something, make sure that it involves yourself with people you love and your community. You can be industrious. You can fill the unforgiving hour or unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run. That's the famous Rudyard Kipling poem. You can fill it that way, but don't fill it with things that don't bring you satisfaction. If you find the things that bring you satisfaction, your pace will feel natural to you. It will feel like you felt when those the snowstorm came or the or the power went out. Ah, yeah, I miss yeah. those days. Yeah, you'll have that sigh of of uh, wow, you know satisfaction. You'll take that breath. If you're not having that in your life, maybe your pace is uh, is just a little too fast. So something to think about, uh, and hopefully we learned a good lesson there. And as I say, Maury had to have his pace, you know, artificially slowed. And I remember he once said to me, uh, I was talking about flying here, there, and the other place. And uh, he looked at me and he nodded to the window. And he said, you see that window there? And I said, yeah. He said, you can go outside and look in through the other side. You can crawl through that window. You can lift up the pane jump out the window, come back in. I can't do any of that. I said, mm-hmm. yeah. But, he said, I appreciate that window much more than you do. I said, what do you wow. mean? He said, you never look out that window. I've seen you here. You sit here all the time. You just have your eyes on talking to me or the pad or whatever. You never look out that window. He said, but to me, I notice every single thing about that window. I notice what sh- trees and shrubs I can see through that window. I notice when the sky changes through that window. I notice when it's raining and, and the, the, the raindrops hit the pane of glass through that window. I appreciate that window because that is my connection to the outside world. And I mm. have to look through it all the time. And I embrace mm. that window. I'm so grateful for that window. And that's the kind of pace that Maury's life was forced to move at. And he was able to appreciate life and the world in a much richer and deeper way than I, who was healthy, and could go in and out of that window at will, ever did. So mm-hmm. I always remember that window when the world starts to go a little too fast. And now that the windows are closed on the airplanes, <laughs> I really want to say, <laughs> wait a minute, you can't that. appreciate a window if it's always closed. So open the windows, <laughs> slow down a little bit, and uh, get a better pace for your life. That's going to do it for today's edition of Tuesday People. We do this every Tuesday. And We will see you with another lesson from my old professor. Uh, Until then, on behalf of Lisa Goitz, this is Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.